Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Someone we quote often who I would think has been an inspiration to everybody on this podcast, Mr. Dave Ramsey, had an interesting video clip he put out on social media, I believe just the other day, basically emphatically saying that housing prices will not come down, which I think is fascinating. Yes, I, I... you know, I'm not, not that he's going to interact with me on social media at all, but Maybe, I know. had to kind of take up a little contention with that, and I just kind of retweeted it and said, I disagree. The emails I'm getting every hour from Zillow with price cuts uh, beg to differ. Yeah, well, I've heard that and seen that as well, uh, especially some of the more, you know, uh, higher priced areas uh, down in the, you know, Panhandle, Penin- the Florida region, even though Florida, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that's still a very desirable place that people are looking to move to. But nonetheless, I just found it fascinating. He he went into a lot of discussion about supply uh, demand and the supply of housing mm-hmm. and the number of people uh, looking to be a buyer of homes. Where I believe that analysis falls a little bit short is the fact that if the homes are priced in such a manner with the interest rates being where they are, I don't care how many people are looking for a home, they can't buy a home. Yeah, I mean, once you run the math and start to realize that uh, those payments have gone up three to $800 a month on some of those mortgages if you're starting out new now. Not to mention the fact that utilities, groceries, maintenance costs have gone up precipitously. Mm-hmm. There's only one thing that can happen to meet that, and that is price comes down in order to meet the demand where that demand is. If they can't afford it, they can't afford it. The bank is, we're not in an environment right now where the bank's going to approve it. Yeah, you don't uh, buy a house for a price as much as you buy it for a monthly payment. That's exactly right. That's, I mean, that's most people exactly who right. go look for a house, they go, can I afford this for X amount per month? And honestly, the, the dollar amount that they're looking at doesn't really matter. They just, just want to know what can I afford via the bank, and the bank's going to base that upon obviously the selling price, but also the interest rate, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's the same adage when people, you know, supposedly buy a car. It's, you know, you're you're buying monthly payments when you're taking on debt like that. And those monthly payments have dramatically changed. Uh, now, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that they necessarily go back to the pandemic lows of housing prices. Uh, because Were there, material Was there really costs, a low in pandemic prices? There I was a there very was brief, a like a four to five week none. low really? on housing. Yeah. Uh, well, because nobody wanted to go in houses and look, and so there right. was a, there was a brief period there where there was a you know quick movers advantage if people had Sight the gusto unseen. to you know jump yeah. into a house and do like a virtual tour with the real. Uh, it was the market was there. It was just a very brief, um, and then once people kind of realized, oh, we're just going to be locked down, then all mm. of a sudden it resurged. But uh, material prices have gone up in a lot of way. Lumber is down significantly, but obviously because of supply chain things, you know, like siding and windows and all the other junk that goes into a house is up has offset some of that. So yeah, the 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 building cost of a house is still higher than it was two years ago. 
So you have to contend with some of that. That gives a bit of a floor. But the loftiness that we saw in prices when you saw, you know, the price per square foot going from so in this area, say, you know, one twenty a square foot ish to one fifty, one seventy pretty quickly, you know, some of that's gonna come back as interest rates go up. So my my personal opinion, uh, unlike stocks which discount price very quickly, like mm-hmm. a matter of days. Uh, tangible assets, things that people have an emotional tie to that takes a while to buy and sell will take a little bit longer, quite a bit in my opinion. So if you are out there, and again, this is one person's opinion, uh, if you are out there looking to be a buyer, you will start to see price breaks. I think you're already seeing them. Again, as Daniel alluded to, he gets these Zillow updates and he's seeing prices come down. But once sellers who have been trying or thinking about unloading their house, or maybe they have to move for a variety of reasons, job relocation, whatever it may be. We'll have to keep you in witness protection for the next three to six months. Once they start not being in a situation where they can't sell because they're not getting the price or they're not getting the looks or whatever it may be, that's when the price will really start to come down. In addition, you have houses, despite what Mr. Ramsey is saying, the building that has been been, uh, going on over the last couple of years has been unbelievable. You are going to have companies, the large home builders, who are going to sacrifice profits to unload inventory. So you will be seeing these newer home developments that have been being built maybe on spec or future opportunities that, you know, hey, we're going to develop this and then we'll sell them, you will see those come off those balance sheets very quickly because they do not want to hold those on their balance sheets paying property tax and insurance and maintenance and, you know, you name it. So, again, you you will see this transpire. It, It will take a little time, but I caution the person who says, oh, my goodness, you know, we've been waiting. Now we see a price drop and we've got cash. Let's just pounce. Uh, be a little bit leery. I think if you wait a little bit longer, maybe a lot longer, maybe a year or so, you're going to see no it. No one knows. You're going to see it a lot, lot better. I remember um, when we first moved to uh, Florida, we did two years in Florida, 05 to 07. It was the start of the housing decline. And we moved down there and we were not going to buy. And we rented for a year. And it was interesting because after that year, prices had come in considerably. The speculative fervor had died out. There was inventory going up every day. And so we looked and we said, okay, now we'll buy because we thought, hey, we're getting a pretty good deal. Prices had come in. <laughs> Holy cow, were we off, right? We, we should have waited you know, a little bit longer. Uh, but again, you, know, uh, you, you see these cycles. They take a little longer to play out in different environments. I think autos will be the same. You have a tremendous amount of, of inventory coming slowly, but we'll, we'll pick up speed uh, that are coming on to the, to the market. And once those inventory levels increase, the only way to get them off their books is to, is to cut prices. So, um, you know, again, I think it's more important than ever to get your financial house in order if you're looking to be a buyer of something and make sure you're, you're ready and able. Let's jump to our question. Uh, I know we, this is just a random thought, but I just want to go over that. Uh, we've got a good question. I think it's from Mike. Is that right? Yeah, totally off with that. Eric, we got Eric coming on with his inherited IRA. Eric, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey, guys. My name's Eric. Love your show. 
quick question today about how I should invest in inherited IRA that I have. I received this before 2019, which means I can take it out using the saving rule life expectancy table um, over my lifetime. So I just have to take out a little bit every year. Um, and I've been doing that over the last couple of years, um, but I'm 26 now. I don't know if my investment allocation within the portfolio is perfect. So just wondering your guys' thoughts on how I should invest this money. The goal, I guess, being taking out just the minimum every year and kind of supplementing my income while also letting there be growth um, in the account for me until retirement age. Um, so just curious your guys' thoughts on how this should be invested, if I should just do a target date fund or, you know, split some of the money up between short-term, you know, cash reserves so that I could take out the RMD every year and some sort of asset allocation for the rest. Um, so just curious your guys' thoughts. Thank you in advance. Okay. Um, very little discussion about you know, temperament, risk, etc. Here's what I like and don't like. Okay. Uh, what I don't like is the idea that this is already there to supplement income. I don't like that. I think that's dangerous. Why? Uh, because it could decline precipitously. The RMD could go down considerably. And sure. therefore, the idea of supplementing income, if we've built it into the budget, may not be there. Yeah, if it's yeah, fixed things. So people fun who, money maybe, but maybe not so much the fixed stuff. Yeah, and that's I guess what I'm what I'm driving towards there is is supplementing the income for additional savings. Like, oh, I take the RMD out and I sock it into a Roth IRA. Bravo! I think that's fantastic mm -hmm. because. Uh, if people are unaware, this individual inherited a retirement account. He did so at, at a time period where he didn't have to deplete it all within 10 years, which is not deplete it, take it all out within 10 years, which mm -hmm. is a new rule. He ha he can stretch it over his lifetime, which means that every year uh, after the December 31st balance comes in, a calculation is done. And ultimately, the, the IRS determines how much he has to take out. That satisfies what's called his required minimum distribution. It's taxed. I'm assuming this is an IRA. It's taxed as ordinary income. So there's really, in my personal opinion, I, I, I don't like the idea of this supplementing income for, life, for living. I, I don't like that. If that is the case, um, I think you're, you're in the danger zone. All right? I would much rather see this as... An IRA that distributions have to come out, they're swept over to a Roth or something along the lines of a longer-term saving or investing account uh, to supplement your future retirement. That would be ideal. So that's just my two cents on that. As far as investment strategy goes, if you are able to set it up in that manner, then in my personal opinion, you should be allocated based on your time frame, your risk tolerance, your temperament, a lot of what we talked about in the previous episode. If, however, you're like, no, Quint, this helps me pay my mortgage. Like, I, it's the way it is. It's just, okay. A, I would caution you because if the markets continue to decline, that RMD is going to get lower and it's going to change your income stream. And therefore, I would take the next six months and kind of figure out a solution regarding not having that supplement your income uh, needs, not not desires, but your needs. Uh, but number two, if that's a longer term time frame, let's say that takes you the next couple of years, then I think you've got to have a portion that's not exposed to risk 
because you need it right now. That would be the equivalent of somebody saying, I need this money over the next three to five years. Well, if you needed that money over the next three to five years, we would not be investing that money, right? That kind of goes along those time frames. So I think there's some drilling down that needs to happen in order for you uh, to determine the best allocation, you know, the best diversification, et cetera. But again, I'd caution you. I don't like the idea of it being needed for income supplement. And I mean, he might be listening to this going, I never said that. It's not what I do. I, I use it for whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree with all of that. Uh, I would say if somebody does have one of these inherited IRAs pre-2019 when the rules change to the 10-year rule uh, and you are sort of following that RMD strategy, uh, but you are transferring it to, say, a Roth IRA that you talked about that you're not otherwise able to max out and you're using this money to max it out, I would say realize that you don't have to follow, like the RMD doesn't have to be the maximum that you can take out each year. Uh, and in years where you have a lower tax liability or you're in a kind of a lower tax bracket, take out as much as you need to to max out those Roth IRAs because what you're effectively doing then is a, is a Roth conversion. So you're paying tax on the money now, getting it into the Roth, allowing it to grow tax-free because if you just take those RMDs, you'll end up paying quite a bit over time in, in taxes because as the balance grows, you're going to pay uh, more tax, et cetera. So it might be advantageous. You probably have to run the math, kind of understand where you are now versus where you're projected to be in the future. But it may make more sense to actually take out more than that RMD from time to time. So it's not that wouldn't be a terrible thing if you're using that as part of an overall financial planning strategy. Excellent. I don't have much more to add. I, I just, again, I think that I would like to see the, the, the concern I have is the need versus the desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see this money in a, such a way where it came out and was reinvested because he sounds young for the long term. I think there was some more color and details in the email, which I probably should have read you know, and gotten into, but I didn't. I just took the question. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I'd like this money to be reinvested in, in some, some form or fashion. And therefore, again, allocation, diversification, and the strategy has to correlate with your temperament. Just go back to the last episode. If that's not the case, if it is definitely a need and has to be a need for the foreseeable future, you've got to dial that risk back considerably so that you're not subject to uh, significant declines in the market or the account. Therefore, the RMD drops off, and now you've got even more problems. Then you find yourself taking out more to meet those needs than you have to. Yeah. This account and that portfolio allocation is one piece of your overall financial picture. Uh, so it's kind of like saying, uh, do I need to add salt, pepper, or chili powder to my dinner? Mm, like, well, I don't know. Good. Tell me more about what it is your goal for this dinner is, what you're trying to create, mm. the flavor profile you're looking for. Because if you're making Italian, I don't want to add... Well, I do actually want to add chili powder to mine. Wow. I want to... A little arrabbiata sauce. A what? Arrabbiata. Oh, my gosh. Are we moving from coffee to chefing now? No. Chef? Yes, chef! Yes, chef! I like that. I like those shows. Yes, chef! Yes, chef! Yes, chef! I'm gonna start start doing that around the, the office. All right. There we go. Let's uh, let's just wrap that up from there. That was there a great go. question. Eric, thanks so much for the question. And you're a local guy. So, look, give us a ring sometime, and maybe we can give you some more specific information. You've been listening to DIY Money. Remember, friends, secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Yes, chef. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card.
This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.